0: Okay, all right, I'm back. Okay, so when I was about 11 or 12 years old, and so those of you that are young, you're going to think, oh my gosh, I can't believe your mom did this. But my mom gave me some money and told me to get on my bike and ride a couple of miles to the grocery store. Really. And she said, here's some money for what I need that should be enough. All right? So I got on my bike. It was not uncommon practice. No major roads. I drove to the road to the Safeway. Uh, I got in line. I got the things that she wanted. I I came and stood in line, and they totaled up everything, and I was 50 cents short. Okay, now there's an option. I can put something back, and mom be upset with me, or I can just stand there and cry. All right? (laughs) So, I, I didn't cry, but I looked at the person, and, and now 50 cents bought a lot more back then, by the way. So, uh, so but 50 cents, I, I was short, and I looked at the person, and I'm sure my face just got solid red. I mean, that's just what we do in the Axdale family. My face got solid red, and I was just, I just, I froze. I didn't know what to do. And there was a nice gentleman behind me and said, how much does he owe? It's 50 cents. He said, I'll, I'll take care of it. I said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I got on my bike, went home, ran the errand. Never even told mom about it. Uh, just, you know, made it through. So I tell you that because we've been talking about having enough margin in your life, right? We've been talking about uh, making sure that a margin by definition is having more than you need right? So at the grocery store at that day, didn't have enough. There was no margin there. Um, And so uh, I didn't really care about counting pennies while I was shopping. I just wanted to get the errand done because I had other things I needed to do outside, whatever it was. And so um, uh, I didn't have enough margin. And so I went to the grocery store and I was set in in a place of panic And so we've been talking about living our spiritual journey with enough margin. We've been talking about spiritually hanging out with God enough and spending enough time with Him that spiritually we're ready for whatever comes our way. We talked about relationally having enough time set aside so that when God invites us to participate in ministry that we can say yes and invest that time. Last week we talked about physically and we talked about taking Sabbath rest so that our bodies can be in good enough shape to function and do whatever He's called us to do. And so today we're going to finish this and we're going to talk about having margin financially, um, because that's a struggle for many people in our world today, uh, that that it's not that there's not enough money, it's just not the money's used right, or correctly, or properly, or whatever the good English has for that. Um, So um, anyway, we're going to talk about that and look at at this idea. Now remember that the the bottom line idea is is that every morning when we, we wake up as followers of Jesus, we are waking up as representatives of our king. Every day. Every day when we get out of bed and we get started, we are beginning a journey of representing King Jesus in every conversation, in every act, in every phone call, every text, every email, every Facebook post. We are representing King Jesus. And sometimes Jesus will call us into activity that is unusual to us, and sometimes those activities require money. All right? So we're going to talk about that and what that looks like, why we get off course, and how we can get back on course. All right, so we're going to look at Hebrews. So if you look at Hebrews chapter 13 with me, now just a little background about Hebrews. We don't know the writer of Hebrews. There's a lot of guesses about that. Pretty certain it wasn't Paul, as some people will say, uh, but we don't really know who it was. Um, A good guess, I think, is Apollos, but I'll let you research that on your own. But the writer of Hebrews is writing to Jewish Christians who are going through an incredibly difficult time of persecution. They are sacrificing their lives for the faith and being willing to do that. So the writer gets to the end in chapter 13 and begins some specific commands about marriage and and about how you treat other people and how you stay true to the faith. And and really the the whole book is is kind of centered around that. Then you get to chapter 13, verse 5, and there's a little nugget here about money. So it's page 1215, if you're using the Pew Bible. Hebrews chapter 13, Verse 5, page 1215 in the Pew Bible. So the writer says this, Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? All right, so let's look at verse 5 here a little bit. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Listen closely. This is something in the United States of America we don't handle well. Contentment and the love of money do not live together in the same house. They cannot function together. You cannot love money and be content. I'm not making this up. Jesus said it first. Right? He said you cannot love both God and money. He said it is mutually exclusive. There is no way in reality you can love both. You're either going to love God or you're going to love money. Jesus said it first. So we're going to trust him on that. And so the writer of Hebrews jumps back and connects to what Jesus taught and said, listen, if you, you need to be content, but contentment will not come if you're in love with money. You just can't find it. Now, why that's hard for us is because we have in our brains this idea that if I just have enough money, contentment will show up, right? I know nobody in this room has ever thought that. Nobody's ever come to that conclusion. But all of those heathens out there outside of these walls do that. And we know that it happens to other people, right? Because somehow we have this idea that if I just make X amount of money or some percentage above what I'm currently making, contentment will show up at my doorstep and life will be grand. But the promise of Scripture and the promise of reality of what happens, it doesn't work that way because when you fall in love with money, you never have enough. Never ever. So Paul in Philippians in that verse that is taken out of context so many times when he said I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, he was talking about money. Okay? So here's here's what he actually said. Uh listen close. If you want to see it it's Philippians uh what, Philippians 4:11. You want to turn there. This is this is good stuff. Okay? Philippians 4.11. Somebody look it out and shout out a page number for me. Bible drill, go. <laughs> Sorry? 11.81. There you go. Just a few pages back. You win. You get a sticker. <laughs> All right, so here's what Paul said. Philippians chapter 4.11. Talking to the church of Philippi, he said, I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And what Paul says is, listen, it doesn't matter if I have a lot of money. It doesn't matter if I don't have any money. I am still content because contentment doesn't come from what I have or don't have. It's real simple. It's just hard to to live it, right? Paul said, you know what? I've had a lot and I've had little. And I know that neither one of them brings me contentment. You see, we've convinced ourselves that contentment comes from external realities. That if I just have A, B, or C, whatever that thing is, or if I just have this job or that job, or if I make just this amount of money, I will find contentment. But contentment is something that comes from God. And here's the flip side of that. If you chase after contentment, you're not going to find it. If you pursue contentment, if you go to Walmart and try to buy some contentment, they don't sell it there. Right? If you decide that I'm going to chase, I'm not going to chase after money, I'm going to chase contentment, you'll never catch it. Contentment shows up when God gives it to you. But see, we, we, we set our purposes and we set our goals on these things that don't bring what we think they're going to bring. So, Kind of how this works, so um, my wife and I have been saving for retirement for a long, long time, Um, and and hopefully one day uh, nobody will have to take care of us, but we're being nice to them just in case. (laughs) Um, But but if you have a retirement account, this is what the last year and a half have been like. Right? Right? I mean, you you have days where it's just like, holy cow, we're going to be world travelers. And then you have other days, it's, we're going to be ramen noodles forever. (laughs) Right? And and it's just this. And you realize so quickly, you know what, if I put my hope in that, it's going to let me down. There's no way there's going to be contentment just because a dollar amount's reached, Right if Hebrews... Paul, Jesus, they were so clear. You can't find what you're looking for when you're looking for contentment through finances. It's not there. So what the writer of Hebrews said, and, and, and Jesus taught in so many ways as well, if you go on to the rest of the verse, he said, be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And the idea is, listen, When you don't have contentment, here's the issue. You ready for this? This may step on toes today, but you may need to hear it. When you don't have contentment in your finances, it's because you're not trusting. The writer of Hebrews says, God says I'm here. You can trust me. See, I think one of the worst things that happens to people is they never have to be poor. Because if you've, had to be poor, if you've had to live poor before, and you realize that God has taken you through it, when things start going bad, you look back and say, well, I don't want to do it, but I've done it. God's been faithful through it, so he'll be faithful this time. You know? And I'm not wishing poorness on anybody, but I'm just telling you that when God is faithful and has carried you through before, you know he'll do it again. And so, understand the writer of Hebrews in the context. These are Jewish people who are being persecuted. They're not only asked to be giving up their lives, some of them, some of them lose their businesses, their lands, and everything of value that they have because they've chosen to follow Jesus. And so the writer says, don't put your hope in stuff. It's going to let you down. But trust God, he'll give you, as Paul said, just what you need. And Paul said, you know, because I've learned not to be content with stuff, I've learned to be content with whatever God gives me. And then I build my life around that. And if God gives God give me more, then I build my life around that. If God gives me less, that's okay. I build my life around that. That's what we do. And it's in that journey that we find contentment. Now, I know... You have to have money to buy bread. I I get that. Right? You you have to have money to eat. I, I get all that stuff. But sometimes we've convinced ourselves that if I reach this number and this level, then contentment will be there. I promise you it's not there. It'll bring happiness for a time. But contentment will run away again. Right? So our hope is not in what we have. Our hope is not in material things. Our hope... And our trust is in God. And that's what the writer of Hebrews has tried to say so plainly. So, I hope that you hear that. All right, the second thing I want to see, I want us to see in verse 6. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Sometimes, when it comes to having margin, God calls us into his activity. And sometimes his activity requires us to invest money. And we live with margin because we don't know when God's going to do that. We don't know when God is going to say, I want you to help this person. I want you to invest in this person's life financially. You never know when God is going to show up. And so go to the grocery store and there's someone standing there and you pass people begging all the time. But then there's one that's like, I don't know why I really need to invest in this person. And you stop and, hey, what is it you need? I'm just hungry. Hey, come inside. Let's buy something. Tell me what you want. Uh, Spirit leads us that way. Sometimes the Spirit comes and, and guides us and says, you know what? You need to give this person some money. Several hundred dollars. okay but when you trust that's what you do I, I don't get it I mean I was hoping to use this money for something else but hey it's not mine it's yours I don't live for me I live for you you see I, I think we have to understand that God gives us what he gives us for his purposes not for ours Boy, that's hard. But it's scriptural. So I got a quick video here i want to show you, um, a story of, uh, that a woman tells of her journey, um, helping someone. Don't know who it is, but it's a pretty cool story.
1: I felt like money was the answer to a lot of my problems that if I had more money, I felt like my husband would love me more because I was able to put more into the household. I thought my friends would think more of me because I could give them more. And so I was trying to meet that need on so many levels with so many people. I started getting so to where I was hoarding and keeping things and keeping money you know, stored back, but then things happened, I lost that money. God put on my heart that's not what i give you what i give you i give you this so that you can do things for others who don't have the ability to do for themselves that changed a lot of that in me I had an occasion to go pick up a prescription. I normally never go to the pharmacy. I usually call it in. But for some reason, and I'm going to say it was the Holy Spirit, said go, drop it off. And when the pharmacist said, do you want to wait? I said, yeah, I'll wait. So I'm sitting there. A lady comes in. I hear her talking to the pharmacist saying, well, I just don't have the money for that. I don't have the money for that. So again, the Holy Spirit just nudging me. I got up and I said, let me pay for the prescription for you. And the pharmacist looked at me and said, are you sure about that? And I said, yeah. So before, I didn't even ask how much it was. I just took my card, I swiped it. And then I went to sit back down. So when the lady got the prescription, she came over to me and she said, why would you do that? And I said, because I could. So she said, do you mind going with me out to my car? I said, no problem. So I go out to the car and there's an elderly lady in the car and the lady is just about in tears. She says, mom, this lady paid for your prescriptions. And she looked at me, she took my hand and she said, baby, why would you do that? And I said, because God has blessed me in so many ways and I just want to be a blessing to someone else. And it just, I mean, it touched my heart just to be able to do something like that for someone. So I got home that day, I told my husband about what I had done. And then when the um, credit card bill came, he said, Jennifer, do you know what my step prescription was? I said, no, I didn't even ask. I'll just say the amount was over $400. But you know, when God lays that on your heart, and obviously he put me there at a time when I needed to be there, you don't question about how much it's gonna cost. So to be able to do for others, without knowing who they are, not expecting anything in return, but you get so much back in the return, I am so much a better person, so much a happier person, there's just, just no way to even describe
0: it. So, the thing we have to understand is, is we have to be available to say yes, and that means having margin financially. Now, you know... Some of us have so much debt, we don't have any margin financially. Uh, some of us need to, to take care of that and get that in line. Uh, some of us are overcommitted to, to things that are not kingdom things, etc. And we have to understand that God every day is using people all over the world to invest in people's lives. And we need to be ready to say yes and have the capability by having margin. Right now, confession. Yes, I made you listen. At this point in the message, what I had planned was I was going to tell you um, how horrible our finances are, and you need to step up. But something happened on the way to the sermon. Every week, uh, Carolyn, uh, Carolyn Jones, our, our financial secretary, she'll update our finances for us, so we can see what it is. And I looked, and, and it, it wasn't posted till till Friday. And Friday I looked, and there was this huge number for last week. And I was like, oh, because see, June was just awful. And July was on its way to be even worse. We expect summer slumps, but it was like, oh my goodness. So I I began to pray in the middle of June. I said, I don't know what's going on here, uh, but I need you to do something. Well, it turns out that there was apparently some kind of Internet glitch. We don't know. So the online giving for June was just like horrendous. And then all of a sudden, everything got fixed, and all of the money came in for July. So I was texting Caroline. I said, when I first saw it, I said, this number can't be right. It's too high. <laughs> she said, no, it, it's right. So we tried to figure out what the glitch was. and But anyway, I, I, I don't know what I'm talking about when i talk talking about uh, technology glitches, so I'm I just stop pretending that I do. So, so I said, well, okay, so I got the sermon this week, and but still, we're pretty far behind. So, what did we do last week? And she said, last week was the best first Sunday we've had in years. I said, what do you mean? And she gave me the number, and I was like, holy cow! I can't yell at them Sunday, can I? That was my text. <laughs> And her response was, no, not this week. (laughs) So what I want to say then is thank you. Thank you for supporting what what goes on here. And uh, I I want to encourage you, and, and I always am cautious of doing this, because usually when I tell you how good you're doing financially, it slows down real quick after that. Okay? So don't let that happen. Keep doing what you're doing. And let me, let me tell you about some things that are coming up that are real important. And, and so when we don't have enough money, there are ministry things we can't do. Friday morning, we took uh, breakfast, no lunch, to the, to the teachers down at Upson. And I had a conversation with, uh, with, with Principal Spinner. And, and she said, because uh, uh, Ruth Upson was a B school, that there's another school not far from here that's been a DRF school three years in a row which by law gives the parents permission to move the kids to a different school. And so 65 students from that school are going to be bused to Ruth Upson. Okay, so here's what that means, is that we're going to have to fill a lot more backpacks. And if we are going to do that, we're going to need money to do that that 's the kind of things that are coming that that we we know is, is is a part of the journey, which by the way, on a side note if you 're interested in, in volunteer to help students read to read to the students, uh, they need that help, so that was made pretty clear so if you 're interested in give up an hour a week to read, uh, that would be fantastic. Now uh, you can talk to Jay or talk to me and we'll we 'll get you set up. Um, other things that we have coming up and and so uh, this one I'm a little hesitant to tell you, but one of the things that we're, we're trying to do uh, is we're trying to rent space in a bar on Edgewood once a month, and, uh, and we're going to have discussions about different theological things or different uh spiritual things and in a non-judgmental zone uh we haven't thought of a name yet i mean i kind of like beer and baptist and something like that <laughs> but but we, we haven't determined a name yet um but we're, we're trying to connect to people um who would not be connected otherwise and so uh that that's coming but we have to rent space for that to happen um and uh, we need a lot of prayers for that as well um and, and so then, also another thing that's happening this fall is we're we're moving the fall festival uh, off of the thirty first, and we're going to go help uh, uh, Murray Hilloween and uh, we're going to run the children's section for the five to six thousand people that come uh, to Murray Halloween, and, and connect to them. Again, financial things, not to mention the stuff that goes on here in this building that we have to fix constantly. God doesn't need your money, but we do. So please keep being faithful, and thank you for what you've done. Now, the kingdom side of it is this. As a church, there are times that kingdom things come up that we need to invest in. Sometimes there's churches that are doing a great work that don't have money. We we need to send them money. Sometimes there are ministries in other parts of the country or world that are just connecting with people, and they're just almost out of funds, and we need to jump in and help. And just like us as individuals, as we go through our journey and we come across those times that God calls us into helping others, as a church, he calls us in that too. And we need to be able to say yes by having the financial margin. So, I'm going to wrap up with this. Hear me say I love you, and I'm so grateful for you, and I'm so excited about what God is doing. And understand, we were so blessed to see Tim's video last week. But there's a lot of Tim stories out there that need to to happen. And I think God's inviting us to be a part of it if we'll live with the margin. Let's pray.